well, two main advantages. One is integrations with a lot of different data sources. And again, that's because of our experience with connecting to different partners. And that all ties into the other advantage, which is accuracy. You know, because you have a, a shop, uh, you want to connect to a platform, especially one that you're paying for, and you want the results to be extremely accurate. Today's discussion with Kobe Malamed of BeProfit focuses on a particular service worth your consideration because it's made with you, the e-commerce entrepreneur, CEO, and business owner in mind. What you're going to get out of this is more than just data, but data tailored specifically to your needs. For instance, the much sought after long-term value or LTR is something you might find yourself trying to calculate on your own. And that's a risk you could stand to avoid taking on top of all the other ones you had to take as an entrepreneur. Kobe Malamed. It is good to have you here in Ecomotics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Doing great. Thanks, Joseph. Good to be here. It's good to have you. Um, really quick, I, I think it's around like 2 p.m., 3 p.m. your time in, uh, in beautiful Tel Aviv. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's about. Uh, it's actually a little later. It's about 5 p.m. 5 p.m. Okay. Still lots of daylight here. <laughs> Very hot. So uh, we're good. Nice and optimistic. I know we're not supposed to talk too much about the weather, but I'm just going to get it out of my system. We have nice days here or there, but this has actually been the crummiest July uh, to my recollection. It's uh, rained no. like nearly every day, but yeah, I ha had a dec decent long weekend, so I can't complain. Okay, weather talk out of my system. Just All right. There's many through lines throughout the show, and one of them, um, from my own point of view, is the scope of e-commerce. And just when I think I have a grasp on it, I remind myself that I am not that intelligent. It turns out that the scope of e-commerce is continuously expanding because it, I mean, each day that goes by, more people are, are joining it and more people are expanding or they're scaling upwards. And so what I'm excited to talk to you about today is um, something that, frankly, I haven't had a chance to talk about yet on, in, in just, uh, just over a year of the show. So the surprises never end. And with that, um, tell us what you do and what you're up to these days. So first of all, I completely agree with uh, your sentiment of commerce. E-commerce is especially, you know, it just grew exponentially in the last few years uh, with COVID and everything that's happening. And we'll get a little get to that a little later and how it's affected us. So sure. um, I'm Kobe. I'm a product manager at BeProfit. BeProfit is an app for e-commerce sellers. Currently, we uh, are open to Shopify sellers and Wix stores sellers. And BeProfit is an app that comes to solve a very big problem that we've seen for e-commerce sellers, which is they have to run a shop but they have so many sources of data. You know, They advertise on Facebook and on Google and on other platforms and they have their cost of goods and they have their ship costs and taxes and processing fees that they pay to their platform and to gateways and on and on and on. And it's very hard to keep track of all of that and understand you know, the bottom line of your business. Am I actually making a profit here? Or am I just wasting my time? What do I need to improve in order to make a profit or to increase my profit? And surprisingly, this is a huge problem for e-commerce sellers. And BeProfit comes to help solve all that. Instead of, you know, sitting at your laptop, running your, your store on Shopify, for example, with uh, tons of little tabs of spreadsheets open while you do it and uh, trying to make sense of it all, BeProfit tries to solve that by giving you one platform with a very nice, uh, well-designed dashboard, I think, <laughs> uh, that is able to synchronize all of your different data sources and, uh, and you know, just 
enable you to understand them and make sense of it. So uh, that's pretty much what we do in a nutshell. See, this is how I know you listened to some previous episodes of the show, because you know that was the question that I wanted to ask is like, what problem uh, in the market does it uniquely solve? Um, but there is uh, the, other, the sure. other side of it too, <laughs> which is also um, at what point did it did the uh, process begin? So how were you able to identify uh, this issue? Were people complaining that that it was? A, you know, a lot of times, a lot of people will say that they're noticing an internal problem themselves, and so they develop an app to solve their own problem and sell it to others. So that part I also want to hear about. Of course. So to give some context and uh, a little background to this question, which is a really good question specifically for us because we have a we, we have a cool story. Um, B Profit belongs to a company called Become Become for the past five, six years has been a lending marketplace for business loans. Uh, won't delve too deep into that. Uh, we still do that, but a lot of our focus now is on B-Profit, which is uh, what we came here to talk about. Um, so, you know, business loans, huge industry. December uh, 2019, <laughs> suddenly, you know, you start hearing uh, word about some virus, you know, uh, it's pretty contagious out in China. And, and, you know, we all know how things changed from there. So the business loans industry took a huge hit. And, you know, we, we started working from home in March 2020, about a year and a half ago, just like, uh, you know, most of everyone else. And I vividly remember a company Zoom call before we knew Zoom was actually a thing. You know, what's this uh, strange tool that I need to download on my laptop now? So that was kind of the case. We were all in our, in our living rooms sitting very uncomfortably because no one had a home office set up yet. And uh, our CEO just asked, okay, guys, look, um, things aren't looking so good with the business loans. You know, at the end of the day, we're a startup. We need to move quickly. Who has ideas for an industry we can pivot to? And, you know, we took that, that conversation uh, and thought about it for a bit and everyone did the research. And, you know, I, I won't dive too deep into the Israeli, um, kind of business startup ecosystem, but everyone knows everyone here. And a lot of us working in startups, um, you know, we have just conversations, we go to meetups, and we all know other people who work in other startups. And we all realize that, wow, you know, everyone's doing e-commerce these days. Um, our CEO particularly uh, had a lot of friends that were doing, uh, starting to develop apps for, uh, for Shopify or for other e-commerce platforms. And we kind of started to gather data and we understood that one of the big challenges for these for these uh, sellers is, you know, their actual bottom line. There's so many, you know, connecting back to what you said in the beginning of the of our conversation about the e-commerce world being so huge. We had no idea the different services and apps that are available to sellers and uh, they solve everything and anything from your, you know, abandoned items in your cart and, and emails and, you know, it's a whole, whole entire world. But we noticed that there was a gap in report. I wouldn't say reporting, but more of, you know, just a dashboard to make sense of it all. And that's how we started planning B-Profits. So the app actually came to be about 10, 11 months ago. And, uh, you know, we, we started with a very initial version of it and we've been working hard to improve it ever since. And, you know, looking at it today and comparing it to what it was like in November last year, it's a completely different app. So, uh, that's how we kind of realized what we were pivoting to. And it feels like we made the right decision so far. And that also ties into another key through line, which is 
the the need for adaptation. You know, this isn't the first time I've heard a story about um, having to pivot and how that pivot has actually um, yielded um, a significant positive uh, returns. Um, there was one thing that stuck out. I, I, like I, like we agreed, we're not here to talk about uh, become all day. But there's one thing that stuck out to me is about there's a bit of a of a of a, of a disconnect in my mind between the growth the the and I would say the surge of e-commerce and entrepreneurship and business expansion, and then the inability to also be able to provide loans for all of this constant growth. So was it that the verticals that you were providing loans to were not expanding the same way the other businesses were expanding? Was it a matter of, it's a lot of like startups and a lot of people who couldn't really um, acquire that loan yet because they had to go through maybe a few rounds of growth first. So I, I just, that's a, that's one piece that I'd like to, to have put together before we move on. Of course, it's a really good question. Um, parallel, of course, parallel to, uh, you know, I give credit where credit is due. Um, parallel to our development of B-Profit, we actually did start an initiative within, come within the business loans world of trying to aim for e-commerce businesses. And we found out that there are some very strong competitors in that field. Some of them have actually raised a vast amount of capital over the past few months because they've been doing a great job at it. And we understood that our focus should be more on the app and less on targeting e-commerce sellers for loans because we simply didn't have the expertise to compete in that field. Um, we came from a field where a lot of our loans were more generalized, you know, uh, more brick and mortar stores, uh, small classic small businesses, and pivoting into e-commerce loans as a marketplace was a huge, huge step. And we tried juggling both things at the same time, you know, e-commerce funding and um, and be profit. And we realized that we need to focus most of our attention on be profit because we're doing a better job at it. That being said. We are working on an initiative to offer um, targeted business loans to our Wix users. Um, we're starting the Wix platform, you know, any day now. And those users, you know, if they if they're uh, interested in getting a loan, we will be able to use their data, which they've connected to uh, Be Profit, and be able to actually pinpoint the funding that they are eligible for. So that's kind of, and you know, it's still in development um we'll be happy to share more of those details as they uh you know as they actually um become relevant um but it should be something that's available in the next couple of months and that will be able to merge those two worlds that you just uh brought up you know on one hand the e-commerce funding and on the other hand the the product itself it's great to hear that and you know i it's it's nice to know that i do have my finger on the pulse of uh, e-commerce uh, as much as anyone can be just because it, i get to talk to uh, so many great people um on a, on a week-to-week basis present company included so let's uh, sink our teeth into be profit um so i think a good place to start is i mean i i wanted like i wanted to ask like what makes it stand out from the competition but i have to admit i didn't even i wasn't even sure that there is competition for it so uh, in the position that you are now did you identify that other software was at least having a go at it and maybe they just weren't uh, uh, pulling their weight or uh, have you actually been the influencer and then other um, companies are starting to uh, take a shot at it as well? So when we started, um, like I said, about 10, 11 months ago, of course, like any uh, startup worth its salt would do, we did a competitive analysis and we tried to see uh, what was happening in the field. 
And we did see some competition. However, we felt that with our existing business, um, you know, we, we already came from a world full of data. You know, the loans world, um, it's endless amounts of data that you need to be able to make sense of because, you know, in order to approve a loan for someone, you need to be extremely confident in their ability to pay it back. And we worked with uh, multiple partners in multiple countries. So we had uh, uh, some good experience with, uh, with data and also with marketing. You know, uh, it's very important as an up-and-coming startup to be able to get to the right people. And we felt that we had a lot of good marketing experience and targeting ads to the right audience from, from the loans world. So coming with that prior knowledge, we did see some competition. I'm not going to name drop, but um, some of the apps, you know, w- whether it's on Shopify or on, on other platforms, they're there. They've been there for a few years, and I feel like they also do a good job and they have their fair share of customers. Um, however, we felt that our main advantage would be, well, two main advantages. One is integrations with a lot of different data sources. And again, that's because of our experience with connecting to different partners, um, a lot of technical experience in using documentations and APIs and you know that whole world, our, our development team is very experienced with it. And that all ties into the other advantage, which is accuracy, You know, because you have a, a shop uh, you want to connect to a platform, especially one that you're paying for, um, and you want the results to be extremely accurate because a lot of these sellers, you know, like I said, they have Excel spreadsheets, which are very time consuming, but they're very accurate because every single piece of data has been manually run through and, you know, either the the shop owner himself has been updating it or she has someone doing it for her. Um, and it's it's very hard to to compete with that accuracy unless you do you know you make that your main focus because it's very easy to create an app that'll sync and you know it'll it'll give you kind of a, a picture of where you are you're at but then a user immediately will come and say look look at my spreadsheet this doesn't match up you guys aren't doing a good job so we felt like you know we read reviews of the other apps of the competitors and we felt like that's a point that we could really uh, do a better job at than our competition and we've been growing uh, very quickly and we have, uh, you know, on Shopify, we have a 4.9 rating out of five stars, uh, lots of very good reviews. So I feel like we have been making that, uh, that a reality for our users, the accuracy. Um, however, like I said, our competitors, uh, they're still there. We keep pushing each other and um, it's good to have competition, you know, at the end of the day, which is usually better. And it's always a pleasure someone comes and says, you know, I was at, you know, so-and-so uh, company and I switched to you. That means we're doing a great job staying ahead. On the other hand, we know some of our users leave for, for our competitors. And then we, we learn from that and we understand what we need to improve. So there's definitely competition in the field, especially when you're talking about, you know, multiple platforms. We've been mo- focused uh, mostly on Shopify little bit on Wix now, and we're, we're really going to start growing there. But, you know, you have Amazon who have their own apps and WooCommerce and lots of other platforms, all of them with, uh, with competitors in the profit calculation field. It's huge. Just to make sure I'm uh, 100% clear on it. So uh, it's available on Shopify um, and, and Wix is on deck. So uh, at the time of this recording, at the very least, only Shopify users have access to it. True. Yes. Uh, Wix hopefully will be live and uh you know everything is set up there we're just in final stages of uh, proving the app with their team but yeah 
uh, Wix users listening to the podcast should uh, should be ready to search for Bprofit. Okay. Going to be okay, live great. very soon. Yeah, I just wanted to, to make sure on that one because um, the, the, the question that I had to that was like, how if metrics have to be different on platform to platform. So I'm going to pin a uh, pin that because um, here's here's the top of mind question for you. So let's let me draw a comparison to say a review app. Now reviews, um, although they might come across as objective data because somebody gives you a, 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 a one out of five stars and they say their piece, there's there's still a lot of subjectivity to the, the condition that they were in when they wrote that. Maybe they had a bad day. Um, maybe the product was fine, but the delivery person left it out and they had to take it out on somebody. There's a lot of subjectivity with reviews. Um, my impression with BeProfit here is that it is almost, if not entirely, an objective app. It's uh, purely based on data. So is there room for subjectivity or having to draw conclusions based on the data that is not clearly um, indicated by the data itself? Are you asking whether there's subjectivity in uh, a user's ability to review the app or within the app's data itself? Just, just within so the app's data itself, yeah, because the, the, re the reviews is just another service, another app would provide, which reviews tend to be more of a subjective territory. Yeah, of course. So I'll give you an example which will help answer this question. Let's say we connect to Facebook, okay, just for example. Anyone who has a very successful e-commerce shop usually advertises on Facebook. It's extremely common. And the bigger shops, they have a lot of older campaigns, deleted, archived, or you know whatever. It gets uh, complex the longer you have your shop open to, to manage your Facebook uh, ad account. You know the big shops have a whole team managing just the Facebook ad account. So it may seem straightforward. You know, okay, let's connect to Facebook, pull their data, we'll display it on the app, we'll use it in our calculations. But then you have a user who comes and says. Look, this deleted campaign that I, you know, I, I had it last month in, in June and then I deleted it. I want to see that data. And then a user will come and say, you know, that deleted campaign, I don't want to see it. Anything that I've deleted should be gone. So that's just an example of something that may seem straightforward, gets a little more complex. So we need to be able to enable our users to have flexibility and to give them the full scope of their data. Because if we make the decision for them, then yes, people are going to come and say, this isn't the solution I'm looking for. Uh, it's a very, very subjective world um, in e-commerce. Every seller has his or her own expectations of how they, they want the app to function. You know, We're also, I'll give another example, we're an international app, fully global. Some countries have sales taxes, some don't. You know, Some countries, they'll want to see their sales tax as part of their profit because they're like, okay, this isn't actually money I'm making. You know, it's... Uh, my, my customer paid me sales tax and I need to pay the sales tax to the government. So I don't want to see it as part of my profit. Another person from a different country will say, no, in our country, I have to see it as part of my profit. Because later on, me and the government, you know, we, we, we check how much I've earned and how much I've paid. And, and there's some calculation there with the tax authority. So it can get extremely complex in the, in the little scenarios. And that's something we learned very quickly with B-Profit. You know, you start off, doing the major things like, okay, these are your production costs, these are your shipping costs, and these are your ad, this is your ad spend. And then you start understanding the little intricacies. Um, and that's that's a huge challenge to be able to, uh, to cater to all the different expectations and obviously not get caught up in a very specific edge case, but be able to identify where it is an edge case and where it isn't. 
um, and be able to cater to different countries. So, so that's a big challenge. And, and that's where the data can be more subjective. And, and touching on that, so um, just drawing from my own experience as a freelancer, um, come tax season, um, there's uh, a great deal of concern that I would have in figuring out, you know, what are my expenses? What are the justifiable ones? And then what are the ones that are more circumstantial? Like, say, for instance, I mean, I need to have lights on. Do I write to put the lights down on my on my returns? Because without the lights, I can't see. Without power, I can't do my work. Without the computer, I can't do it. So I think this comes from a lot of maybe either personal interpretation or how far someone is perhaps willing to, and I'm, I'm being very delicate when I say this, but push their luck to see how much they can mm-hmm. actually uh, write off. And, and, and depending on the industry, you get different recommendations. Like, like you, you knew, cause you listened to some of my previous episodes that I have an arts background. And one of the things that my teachers recommended was, you know, go see a movie. It, it counts as research for, for, for writing. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Let me, let me formulate this into a, a fair question for you, which is when designing this, where do you have to draw the line between what is fair data to be represented and what is, look, we're not going to track your cup of coffee, okay? So, um, you know, when we just started out and you have a support team that doesn't have as much traffic, you know, they're they're sitting by the laptop waiting for leads to, to make contact or for users to make contact. Uh, you have a development team that's, you know, it's already developed the main framework and now it's waiting for, for tasks. So as a product team, we're all, we always looked um, for, for new features, you know, you want to start planning the app. Like I said, the app today is completely different from what it was 11 months ago. And in that initial stage, you have tons of time and you're willing to listen to anyone, you know, someone will come and say the, the strangest thing that doesn't make sense to you, but you, you don't know yet if, if it's something common in the industry or not. So you do it, you know, and, and you start adding these little features and as time passes and you gain a, a larger user base and, suddenly there's more pressure on the support team, more pressure on the developers and, and on us as a product team because we need to find the balance between the users and the developers or, or you know the users and our capability as a company. So that's where things start to get in, interesting. Uh, you, you look back at what you've already done and suddenly you're like, you know what, this feature, no one's using it. So you know, let's get rid of that and make space for something new that 10 new people have requested. So it's really, it's a very delicate balance to strike over time. And today, you know, when we have thousands of active users, um, it needs to be something that's pretty heavily requested in order for us to consider adding it to the app. But I will say that most of our new features and most of the the analytical work that goes into deciding what's what's gonna be the the next addition to B Profit, you know, our pipeline, a lot of it is based on user feedback. Uh, whether you know existing users or users who came and said, "Look, I, I installed your app, but I left for a competitor because you don't do you know ABC." Um, so a lot of the new features are based on user feedback. Obviously, as you grow, the feedback needs to be based on a larger user base that requires it. Um, but not always. You know, sometimes a user will come and say, "You know, I'm missing something that to us suddenly seems obvious." It's like, how have we not done this uh, over the past year? Uh, so there's definitely a balance there, but you know, that's, uh, our job as a product team to understand where we're aiming with the app and, uh, and choose our different sources, whether it's us brainstorming or user feedback, or, you know, what we've seen in the competition and, uh, new features our competitors have added. 
uh, to decide what goes into the pipeline. If you were to look at, say, the 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 initial version of it, and then do a side by side comparison with the version that you have now, what would be, I guess, the, the most significant changes that really stick out to you from the two versions? First of all, it looks much better today. You know, it's uh, it's it's pretty. Uh, lots of colors and, and nice graphs. And because you know, when we just started out, we were like accuracy, accuracy, accuracy. You know, let's make something very basic that people can use, and you know, the user interface will be simple, but the data will be correct. You know, it'll be accurate, and that's how we're getting our first users because uh, you're not going to attract anyone with an app that looks amazing but doesn't give any value. So it started off being uh, kind of a pretty basic framework, still looked pretty good, but uh, you know, there wasn't that much thought put into the design. Today, it looks, you know, I think the dashboard is a work of art. It's uh, it's designed very well. We have an amazing uh, design team, and I, that that immediately sticks out. But you know, we've we've grown so much wider. We've added over over time. We've added some huge features like um, you know, LTV, the lifetime value of of a customer, which is a a very important metric for a shop. We've added a, an entire page analyzing that. Uh, we've added uh, completely new ways of uploading data to the app. You know, uh, time-saving methods like, okay, you don't need to go and update your costs per product one by one. You can do it, you know, by uploading an, a CSV file. Uh, lots of time-saving features like that that enable a lot more flexibility and, and cater to bigger stores. Because, you know, over the past, uh, let's say, six months, we've started getting a lot of traffic from big shops. And you need to suddenly change your, you know, how the app functions because it's a, an app that can work perfectly for someone with 200 orders a month isn't going to cut it for someone with 2,000 orders a month. So a lot of uh, actual development work has also gone into making the app more efficient and able to, to sustain the, the workload of big shops and, and more users. Um, and of course, you know, integrations, like I said, uh, it was one of our main goals when we started. Uh, we started with Facebook and Google. Today we do Facebook, Google, TikTok, Snapchat, Pinterest, Bing, um, not to mention shipping integrations that we're starting, and we have a whole connection with AliExpress for drop shippers. So you know the integrations are a huge part of the app because they enable a larger user base to be able to use it, you know, easily. Uh, that's the goal. And the goal is for someone who sells online to connect a few accounts to the app, do some manual uh, touches on it, and that's it. And everything's ready. We want to make it as automatic as possible. And, you know, it's been a huge leap in that aspect from the start. So a few things uh, um, uh, came to mind, um, all of which I'm uh, putting a pin in because one of the questions, uh, probably the most important question that I wanted to make sure that I asked was to go through the features. And just so that we, we I guess we, we've like, pinpointed on them here and there, but it's essential that we we give them the full coverage that they deserve. So uh, this is the time to do that. We have, uh, first of all, the, the main feature of the app is the dashboard itself. You know, you, you log into the app, you see um, all of your major metrics, okay? Your net profit, your gross profit, your sales, your, your uh, costs divided into sections, you know, production costs, shipping costs, processing fees, any other expenses like you know the expenses you mentioned earlier like electricity or salaries for your for your employees or you know uh, you paid a TikTok influencer to to promote your product anything like that um, you know you also see those expenses 
Um, so all of those major metrics, very visible in, in big, clear tiles and graphs. And then you have an analysis of your orders. Okay, we have a whole page dedicated to all of your orders. Historically, you know, you can go one by one, see the customer, see what, what was ordered when, how much you paid, and what profit you made on the specific order. Then you have a whole page dedicated to your product, you know, seeing the probability per product. Maybe you have one product that's really keeping your business alive and the rest are dragging it down. You know, cut loose all the rest and focus on that one. So there's a whole page dedicated to that with a bit of inventory involved, showing you the value of your current inventory and stuff like that. It's not, not that, uh, that much of our focus, but uh, we do want to give a bit of uh, an inventory touch to the products. Um, you have a, a very impressive marketing page, I think, which enables you to see your, uh, your return on ad spend, you know, your ROAS per platform. So someone who's connected to multiple ad spend uh, platforms like Facebook, Google, et cetera, will be able to compare between them and see, okay, my campaigns have been performing better, you know, in Facebook, for example, or in Google. Uh, so, you know, you can focus more of your capital there. Uh, we have the LTV analysis page I mentioned earlier, which enables you to really uh, divide your customer base into different groups that arrived over time and see which groups are making you the most amount of money. You know, maybe you need to uh, retarget your existing customers more. Maybe you should invest more in new customers. That's a whole deep analysis that we do. We have a pretty cool new feature for a profit and loss report, PL, which is a extremely common, popular accounting report that any small business uses, you know, e-commerce or not e-commerce. So um, that's uh, structured just like a, a classic PL report. We have whew, we have so many features; <laughs> it's hard to keep track. Uh, we enable users to match UTMs. Okay, so uh, you know, UTMs basically enable the shop owner to understand the sources of his traffic or her traffic. So on BeProfit, they can match their UTMs to specific marketing platforms, and that helps them understand uh, the profitability of each platform that I mentioned before. Lots of general settings to enable, like I said, flexibility. Uh, you know, I want to see taxes. I don't want to see taxes. I want to see fulfilled orders or unfulfilled. You know, pending, not pending. Tons of uh, tons of those uh, kinds of features. And you know, like I said, constantly expanding. I really just touched on the main highlights here, but you know, you could uh, I could talk about this app all day, you know, and really dive into the the intricacies of it. At the end of the day, it's a it's it's a one-stop shop. If you download BeProfit and you feel a major piece of it is missing, I would be very surprised. I haven't had feedback about a major feature being missing for a very long time, and I feel like we're covering most of the bases now. And now it's a matter of uh, of going deeper and wider. You know, uh, adding more integrations, making sure everything's as uh, accurate as possible and, and improving the user experience so it's uh, as smooth as it can be. Less manual work, more automatic. Um, you know, let your computer work for you, let your phone work for you. That's it. You know, that's that's what we're striving for. Mm -hmm. with, with so much functionality, it's and it fills a pretty significant need. So I can tell you from my own point of view, you know, being a, uh, maybe I'm being hard on myself, but I don't mind uh, being an amateur seller. 
is I don't have a piece of software that does uh, what you offer. And to my audience, who are probably wondering, do I have to pay for this? What I saw was there is an entry level um, uh, service which analyzes, I think it's like the first 10 orders. Is that 10 orders per month or is that 10 orders uh, flat? 10 orders per month, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's an entry level service, uh, completely free. That's what I love. And I love hearing that about uh, different services because it's part of that understanding that we established from the beginning is that, you know, a lot of people are, are studying this up. There's a lot of uh, uncertainty uh, entering a lot of to unknown territory. Even the experts are continuing to enter unknown territory. So to know that something this significant can be acquired for, for free to start um, is, uh, I mean, it, it's encouraging and it shows that, you know, these services they're on the seller side, you know, they want to see people succeed because the, your success is tied to their success. So, so that's just so well and good. And that means I can actually get this myself. So uh, that, that doesn't come up every episode, but it's coming up on this one. So a couple of things I wanted to unpin. Um, the first one was, it, it might not be the most comprehensive question, at least at this time, but I'm going to throw it out into the ether anyways, which is, are there any changes in metrics between the seller platform? So between Shopify and Wix, is it all pretty much the same data points or are there actually special ones for each platform? A good question. I'm glad we saved it. It's complicated because I'd say beyond the different platforms, having different data points or different metrics, it's really, like I said, an extremely subjective world. And just Googling the different e-commerce terms, you know, I mentioned ROAS before. Everyone, every seller who advertises online knows the metric. But then you start diving into it and you're like, okay, you have regular ROAS, you have blended ROAS, you have, you know, some places call it uh, CAC2LTV, you know, it's a different name for basically the same thing. Um, I had a customer uh, comment, I think it was actually earlier this week about an MER percentage. And I was like, okay, I, I don't actually don't know this much, but look it up. It's, and it's, a, it's the same thing. So a lot of these stories come from different backgrounds, uh, whether it's different countries or, you know, they learned e-commerce in different places, uh, read different articles, uh, articles online, or even different platforms. Because like you asked, yes, Shopify may call something uh, X and, and Wix will call the same thing Y. And it's up to us to understand uh, the overlap and be able to explain that to the user because a user is going to log on and going to want to see them, you know, and they don't want to relearn everything about e-commerce now just because they downloaded an app. So one of our big challenges as a product team is to make the product accessible for a very wide audience. And we really utilize a lot of tool tips, for example, when you hover over a feature and it gives you an explanation and maybe some alternative names for it. Um, so yes, the different platforms use different terms. At the end of the day, the major metrics are the same because you know e-commerce is relatively new, I'd say, but it's the same. It's based on the same, you know, profitability or metrics that small businesses and large businesses have been uh, have had for hundreds of years. You know, at the end of the day, everyone wants to know their margins. How much am I spending? How much am I making? Um, you know, their profit their profitability before taxes, after taxes, all of their costs, so they can understand where they can cut and still earn more. You know, it's it's all the same across the different platforms, but you know, the details are different. The names can be different. Uh, sorry, the names can be a little different. You know, the, the calculation method may be slightly different, but uh, that's our job to be able to include all of that in the app and, and make it accessible. 
it also, uh, there's somewhat of a, of a funneling effect in terms of the information, or maybe it's more of a pyramid depending on the direction it goes, but it all comes down to what is, you know, what is the profit and having that clarity that this profit is not a subjective profit, that we have worked out what are all the costs and I have even identified some ones that perhaps we didn't, uh, we didn't consider before. And now we have a clear picture of it, which leads to more clear decision-making for sure. Yeah. All right. Second of the three uh, pins to, I'm, I'm still working on this metaphor. It's like, uh, I'm kind of like developing a segment <laughs> here on the fly. So you mentioned uh, the difference between someone who sells say uh, 200 units versus 2000 units and their needs are different. So that of course uh, makes total sense. Um, but what I would like to hear a little bit more about is how that actually changes how each of these two examples have to use the program differently. Because in my point of view, what I would expect is it's the same measurements, but just the numbers have increased because of the uh, 1800 unit difference. Yeah. So I'll divide it into, I'll, I'll divide my answer into two. Uh, first of all, it's on, on what's the difference on our end? Obviously, as an app, you have to be able to support a certain amount of traffic. And once you start having those users with you know huge shops, it puts a lot of stress on our servers and our, our development team. So that's our challenge of being able to, you know, always be one step ahead of the traffic that we're expecting and be able to uh, supply a service that doesn't suddenly crash or freeze or, or really slow down because then it becomes pretty much useless to a user. So that's on our side. On the user side, a small shop has uh, very clear objectives, you know, in terms of margin profitability and things like that. And, you know, from, from my experience, the, the small sellers don't really care to spend too much time on the deeper metrics. You know, they're like, okay, I'm starting out. I want to know how much I'm making, you know, give me the basics so I can start and, and start focusing on the right things. You know, let me know if this product is good or bad. Let me know if the other product is better. Um, show me how much I'm spending on marketing, you know, easily because I don't feel like flipping through tabs and, and comparing show me how much I'm making on my marketing costs, you know, the, the basics. And then the more experienced, advanced, or, you know, the bigger users, they want to see like very detailed reports. They usually have bigger teams of people working for them and they want to send a report to multiple email addresses, for example. And, and they want these reports to include much more um, detailed breakdowns of their data. So that's the big difference. You know, uh, as you grow, you want, specifics and usually you have more people looking at it so you have more time to be able to understand the the, the intricacies of, of your shop um and you know by the way that's also tied into how we price the the app you know we're not going to charge uh basic users who don't need all of our features uh the most expensive price that b profit has because that makes no sense it doesn't serve them in any way we want every every user to to have a a price range that they can, first of all, that makes sense with their revenue. And second of all, that has the features that they actually need. You know, we could have easily had the, the free version of the app for the really, you know, the users really starting out. And then one price for everyone else that's uh, going to make us the most profit. But that doesn't make sense because uh, it, it gives the basic users a lot more tools than they need. And, you know, we've seen, we've heard feedback from users about other apps that they just kind of got lost in them. You know, they were like, okay, I, I wanted to see my my uh, net margin, but uh, I'm kind of having a hard time finding it. Like sifting, I think that's the the major difference between the the sizes that that you asked about. 
And it also just uh, speaks also to the growth of the seller as they uh, as time goes on and they start to understand how it works on a more intricate level and then they can get to um, those next points. So um, if you can uh, top three this, these questions, I don't know, I feel like they're unfair, but I'm going to throw it out to the ether anyways, is for, <laughs> for, for people who are, you know, they've installed the, the app and they're starting to work their way around. Uh, what would you say are some of the key metrics that they want to uh, look for um, uh, just to start getting themselves familiar with it? I think, first of all, you you have to understand your gross, okay, your, your gross sales and your gross profit, because before taking into account all of the, you know, the overhead, okay, the, you know, the electricity and the salaries and whatever, you want to understand if your business is functioning as a business, you know, operationally. So, you know, we, we of course, we separate the, the gross profit from the net profit, and you can easily see how your business is functioning before all the expenses that you put on top of it. So that would be the clear number one. I would definitely dive deep into my marketing uh, and beef profit. As I said, uh, we, we came from a, from a pretty rich marketing background with, with a lot of experience in it. So, so we structured it in a way that really brings out the, the important data about your marketing. And that's really important to us. And that's also why we invest so much time in bringing all the marketing integrations. I can pretty confidently say that we have the most marketing integrations on the market for a profit app. Uh, and that, that's really been a priority because marketing costs are everything for a small business starting out in e-commerce. It's really easy to go and, and, and do a short course about Google ads and then start splurging um, without really understanding if it's, if it's worth you know, spending on or not and understanding how to optimize it. So you know, we're not a marketing app and we're not going to do how to optimize your Google ad spend. There are plenty of very strong... Uh, strong players in that field. And, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of free articles online, but we will show you whether you're on the right track and we will let you compare, you know, how you're doing in the different platforms and where your money is, is better spent, um, and where you shouldn't be spending it at all. So that would be the number two. And the number three is the more advanced tool of, uh, of LTV analysis, you know, because, as a as you start selling uh, more and more, you you slowly understand that what you make in a specific day doesn't really mean much. What really is important is where this revenue is coming from. Is it coming from you know direct ad spend? You know, someone who clicked your Facebook ad that day and then and then bought a product. Is it coming from email campaigns that you're running? You know, you had a user six months ago. You sent an email. Suddenly, the user is like, "Oh, I remember that shop. I'll, I'll come and buy again." Um, is it, uh, again, is it recurring? Is it new? Is it, uh, you know, what products are people buying? Uh, that's all, that all has to do with, with different groups of, of lifetime value. So first of all, understanding what the lifetime value is for your customers and then comparing the lifetime value between different groups would really help you understand where you need to focus your attention on. Um, and. You know, that's a, it's a bit more advanced and under gross profit and, and sales and your ad costs. But, you know, for a successful shop, that is uh, extremely, extremely important. LTV was um, the feature that I was the most fixated on, so much so that I wanted to ask about it. Interestingly, the, an the answer was, you know, pieced together bit by bit throughout the episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the one, one part of it um, remaining for me is... 
is it purely a, a retrospective feature where it's all about looking at the, the data collected because it's about trends over time? Or is there a, a part of its functionality that can actually anticipate or predict or maybe summarize what would be the behavior in the future? Predictive analysis is definitely in our pipeline. It is a lot more complex and you know it's something we've been wanting to do for a long time, but we want to do it right because it's extremely easy to come and you know base your analysis on everything that's happened in the past and be like, oh, you know, the trend will probably continue. Uh, change change the calculation, the formula a bit so it doesn't look obvious to the user and, and go to market with that. That that would be the easy solution. You know, I, I've seen it done in other places, but uh, you know, that that's not our game. If we give the user something, we want it to be extremely valuable and we want it to be as accurate as, as we can make it. So predictive analysis in the pipeline, you know, we're, we're working on it. But today, the LTV tool is a retrospective tool. That doesn't mean that you can't get a lot of insights from it. I think uh, it gives tons of insights just understanding, you know, your, your performance up till now. Because if email marketing has never been able to bring in recurring customers, then you have a problem with your email marketing. You know what? If I predicted your revenue now, I would tell you, unless you improve your email marketing, you know, it's going to be more of the same. So that's just one example. But uh, yeah, we're definitely uh, prioritizing um, predictive analysis, predictive LTV. That's And until then, I think our users will be able to find plenty of insights from, uh, from the retrospective analysis. Great answer for that. Um, it's uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> just one of those things, you know, that sticks out of my mind. Like, does it can't it predict the future? And the answer is in the pipe. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that coming, but I'll take it. Now that Shopify has upgraded to version 2.0, we needed to make sure we were up to speed. So we've released version 4.0 to ensure that we're 100% equipped to take advantage of the 2.0 revolution. If you haven't upgraded your store, head on over. And if you haven't gotten started, now's as good time as any. The last of the of the three pins. Um, so you had mentioned, uh, you know, you just wanted to touch on uh, earlier. We said that we were going to maybe talk about the impact of COVID. Um, me, you know, ha- when I started doing this, I got my COVID questions kind of out of my system, so I don't bring them up too much. But uh, I wanted to give you a chance in case there was anything that stuck out to you about what is essentially a you know a COVID developed business, right? COVID was the catalyst uh, for this. And, you know, it's been, it's been a year, um, staff pick July, 2021. Um, so, you know, Shopify, you've given, Shopify has given you your recognition. So um, with all that in mind, what is the, the effect that, uh, you know, COVID has uh, on you, you know, on even on a day-to-day basis? Wow. You know, there's so many layers to that. You know, first of all, it's important to remember geographically, we are in, uh, in Tel Aviv and overall, you know, over the entire period of COVID, I think we've been dealing pretty well with it, you know, as a country or as a city. So we haven't had very extreme cases of, uh, you know, extremely long lockdowns and you can't really work and, and things like that. So that's been in our favor. Even today, you know, we we all got vaccinated a long time ago. So we're actually in the office and and collaborating. And for a young startup, that's extremely important. Uh, to be able to uh, to have the teams physically together, working together, even though you know over the past year and a half we've all learned that uh, working from home isn't a death blow to a company, but you know for a really small company where it's extremely important to sync and, and work on on different projects and being flexible, 
it's really been uh, in our favor that we've been able to do it a lot from the office. So you know, that's one layer. And as a product, uh, I think overall we've been learning a lot from the the huge influx of of new sellers. You know, I think I can't speak to how e-commerce was before COVID, but you know, all the data shows there was a huge spike in people starting to to sell online. Whether it's existing small businesses that pivoted because they didn't have a choice, a lot of which we we did see in the lending industry. You know, people closed their physical stores, went online. Suddenly, their lending needs completely changed. And on the other hand, you know, people sitting at home, either you know, uh, on leave because their their company closed down for COVID, or um, you know, just bored because uh you know they're sitting at home and without much to do during a lockdown they just started selling so a huge number of of new e-commerce sellers and naturally a lot of them migrate to to the apps on shopify or other platforms and you know it's been a, a learning process for the users and for us uh i think the fact that covid is still ongoing and, and still changing the world helps us understand better the different needs because uh, you know it, it's it's not stabilizing and, and either we we're in constant flux of adding new features and and uh, you know people are uh, understanding that the world has probably changed for for a while and, and changing their habits as a result and that all affects at the end of the day uh, where goods are being bought and sold and that's the world we live in now. So as that world adapts and changes, uh, we have to as well. And it's been uh, it's been an interesting ride. I appreciate the answer to that. And yeah, I, I lost track of the fact that there's probably going to be um, a, a lot of layers to that question because it's not just about um, the effect on business. It's a, it's, a, it's a personal effect. And you made a good point that I just wanted to re-articulate for, um, uh, for, for the sake of it, which is you know for a young startup, being in person is uh, important to to the development of that, just to make sure people are on the same page, as you say, in sync. Uh, I think I think some of it also has to do with, and I'm being somewhat sentimental about this, but I think a lot of it also has to do with just the bonding experience, um, because you know, a, a business a business that let's just say you know doesn't have the same um, benefits and that it can offer the company that's been around for you know tens and twenties, thirties of years. 30s, that's never, no one's ever said that in the history of this show, but you get my point. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of anticipation for the, for the future. And I think coming together as a unit is, is essential to that. Definitely. I agree with your, uh, with your sentimental take on this. You know, it's, uh, the bonding is extremely important, um, especially in a very young company, you know, uh, luckily before it all happened, you know, it's not like we came together as a company as COVID started. You know, we had a lot of experience with each other and uh, we're on similar wavelengths. We started out on similar wavelengths. So it's it's so much easier when you're in person and, and you know, you're used to working together in person and everything works automatically and you're a small group of people um, makes a huge difference. And, you know, when we were forced to work from home, we we did it. But it takes a lot of fun out of the out of the job. You know, a lot of fun of the startup is. You know, finishing up uh, a long day of work together on the app and then going out for a round of beers. And also, you know, it affects the the productivity. That's the word I was looking for. It affects the productivity of, of a really small company, I think, than it would affect a, a large company with different teams that are in their own little world. And, uh, you know, they can pretty much run everything over Zoom. Uh, with us, it's different. You know, as a product manager during the day, I need to talk to basically everyone in the company <laughs> because then we're so small. 
just because all of our responsibilities are so wide because there aren't a lot of people and everyone needs to have uh, everyone needs to be a jack of all trades at the end of the day you know when you're a small company so you need to talk to the developer and to the ceo and bounce back to the head of product and then to the business operations team and, and so on and so forth so yeah it's <laughs> we we've experienced a little bit of everything over the past year and a half I got to say, I'm just looking at my uh, my my numerous notes and my, and my questions, and I've certainly covered everything that I uh, had on the mind. But I always want to just make sure if there is a stone that still needs to be unturned to uh, just make sure if there's anything else you want to let us know about the about the service. Um, I just want to make sure that you have a chance to do that, just in case there's a question that I might not have asked that maybe I should have. No, I think you did a very thorough job. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I personally believe in, in, you know, one of the most important things as a young company is to have everyone on board. And I definitely believe in, in this app. I think it's, uh, it's very cool. Um, just talking to our users, you get a feeling that you're helping people make more money and they're, they're working their butts off, you know, uh, trying to make a living, especially in this new reality we're in. So it, it's nice to be able to, to see that you have an effect and a positive effect on people. Um, yeah, you know, I, I hope uh, our listeners will be able to also get some, you know, positive effects from using the app. And I, I just want to mention that beyond the free version, we also offer, you know, a 14-day free trial for the paid versions of the app. So anyone who's a more experienced seller and is wary of, of paying, you know, you can uh, do the 14-day trial, obligation-free, uh, test out all of our features of, of any of our plans that we offer. And, uh, and you know, I'm confident we'll keep you around after the trial, but it, <laughs> it's your decision. Uh, I mean, any, any of my, my uh, listeners who are one-to-one and parity with where I am, um, that would mean that they would probably be getting this uh, program to start as well. So uh, th- that, that much I can speak to. So We've covered uh, what we wanted to cover today, and uh, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, with a little bit of time that I have you left, I just wanted to talk about something off topic because um, in your in your LinkedIn, um, you know, you do mention that you were part of the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. I mean, there's obviously a lot that could be talked about uh, on this subject, so I'm <laughs> going to go with a very specific sure. question for you, um, which is. So you you get out of the forces and I guess you're pretty much free to do whatever it is you see fit. So once you left the IDF, what was your driving force and what was your driving motivator to do the next thing? Great question about Israeli culture in general. You know, okay, great. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. I'll start and say that anyone who's uh, traveled, you know, backpacked around the world, um, it's becoming more common in in the U.S. and Canada. You know, uh, Europe, it's always been huge. Australia, it's been huge backpacking. Uh, anyone who's done it has seen Israelis anywhere. <laughs> and we're a very small country, but very spread out. You know, uh, I'm talking pre-COVID, obviously. You know, everything's changed. But uh, I finished the IDF, I don't know, about six, six, seven years ago. So it's been a while. Everyone who finishes the army, it's like a rite of passage. You travel. You work if you need a... Uh, you know, if you didn't make enough money during the your service, you work for a while and then you travel or you travel with the money you made during your service. It doesn't matter. Like the main goal for everyone is like, you know, I just gave my entire life and my freedom for a, for a few years and I want to be completely free and do whatever I want, just like you said. And, you know, the best way to do that is, uh, is you know, see new places, meet new people. 
and, and travel. So, you know, right as I finished the army, I already had it planned out for a long time. I was also a, I was a lieutenant, so I was in the army for a while. Uh, lots of time to plan my post-service uh, plans, and I did. <laughs> you know, my driving force as soon as I finished was like, I'm, I'm going and, uh, and backpacking. I did Australia and New Zealand for about six months. Uh, met some awesome people there from all over the world. It was uh, an amazing experience. And, you know, while you're there and, and enjoying yourself and, uh, and relaxing, you also have a lot of time to think and, and think about your future, think about what you want to do. Um, so I decided I want to uh, come back and start studying. And, you know, I came back and did my business degree. And, you know, one thing leads to another. During the degree, you learn about new worlds, you meet new people. Um, I did some TAing, I did some, uh, some work on research, and that all led me to, to understand that I really want to work at a, um, a small company. You know, while I was in, uh, uh, doing my degree, I also worked as a fraud analyst, which was pretty cool. Gave me a taste of the e-commerce world because um, a lot of, uh, you know, one of the main issues for sellers is, is fraud. So uh, that was pretty cool. And it was my first step into the world of e-commerce. Uh, by the way, the company I worked at, it's called Globally. It's an extremely successful uh, Israeli startup now. They just went public uh, about two months ago, and they're valued at about $10 billion now. So uh, that's, a, that's a pretty cool anecdote. Uh, good for them. So you know, I was working and doing uh, everything that I mentioned during the degree, and, and it all gives you some clarity on what you want to do. You know, you, you dip your hand in as many places as possible and, and you see what fits and what doesn't. And as soon as I finished, I joined Become, uh, first as a business operations manager. And later on, I joined the product team. And, you know, I just, I, I understood that I wanted to be in a small company and do, do things from scratch. And, uh, you know, that was the way I wanted to really jumpstart my, uh, my full-time career. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's been, it's been fun so far. It's been a great experience. COVID threw a wrench in everything. And, uh, you know, just like everyone else, I've been adapting and uh, it's turned out to be different and, uh, and amazing. So no complaints. Awesome. Well, well, that's a, well, that's a great answer uh, to the question. And, um, and, and it makes sense uh, after being um, in a, you know, a strictly disciplined uh, service such as the army, the next thing you want to do is, you know, the elastic effect of wanting to go do something completely freeing and just be on your own. And, and also to have that, that discipline with you as well, you know, to the, in the training, yeah. not, I'm getting a little cartoonish about it, you know, just in case a brawl breaks out, but also just to have that, <laughs> that self-discipline, that self-control. And, 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 you know, and just to, to comment on it from my own point of view is one of the things that people, have, uh, you know, advise me to do, you know, after I finish school and finish college is to, is to travel. And I think, the, the reason why I didn't do it, just kind of taking what you we said into account is I, I think because school is it's there's discipline, but it's not as disciplined as the army. And so it doesn't engender as many good habits as I think being in the military does so much so that many people, including myself, end up developing counter habits where we actually don't really like the like the school system all that much. And so I think that there's a, there's something to be said about that kind of structure and and how it helps people in their developmental phase. and. Well, as you say, you know, Israelis are all over the world and everyone that I've met is a pretty cool person. So, so far, so good. We do our best. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, I can definitely relate to what you're saying. You know, I, I told you earlier uh, before we started the podcast that I, I grew up in New Jersey for, for a pretty long time. And, you know, it's a completely different vibe to Israel. You know, there's pros and cons in, in either place, but definitely 
the US is more structured towards, you know, you do school, you go to college, you finish college, you get a job. And, um, and in Israel, I think I agree with you that the army kind of changes that dynamic because first of all, everyone does something different in the army. It's such a huge organization. Uh, you know, everyone envisions the, the combat soldiers, but there's a huge, huge system behind it all. And everyone ends up doing something different and getting a different experience. And, and then, you know, everyone finishes the military and brings that completely different experience into the business world. You know, we have a huge uh, high-tech ecosystem in Israel. And I think a lot of it is thanks to the different experience that everyone brings to the table and, uh, you know, the different personalities of, that have been developed and also the discipline, which you mentioned. Um, but also it's, it's cool to see how everyone takes a completely different route in life. You know, someone's going to go travel for a few years, come back and, and, uh, get a job and someone else won't travel They'll do their degree and then travel after someone won't travel at all. And, you know, jumpstart a career in, uh, in, you know, at age 21, right after the army or age 20. Uh, so it's completely, uh, completely different paths. And I, I think that's what makes um working at a company here is so interesting you know it's uh it's it's very colorful i appreciate the insight there um it's it's, it's the kind of thing that could probably make up a whole episode but probably on a different oh, show altogether sure. uh for sure <laughs> but nonetheless the door is always open so uh as things come along give yourself a couple of quarters I'm more than happy to have you back and see uh, how things uh, have progressed so um, with that, the, the final question, uh, you know, lately some people have been like, oh man, you're really putting me on the spot with this one. I'm like, well, but anyways, <laughs> um, if you, if there's like a Chinese proverb you like, or like a piece of advice, words of wisdom, anything like that, you're welcome to share it. And then let the audience know how they can, uh, discover the service for themselves. I'll take the word of advice on a personal note, just from my experience, you know, not like I'm a guru or something, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just a guy. But what, what's worked for me, at least over the, you know, the past year and a half of COVID is having a morning routine, which a lot of people say is so important. And, you know, before this all started, it was, uh, you know, it's a little hectic and, and you're in kind of a routine of waking up and immediately doing things. And then, you know, COVID kind of slowed things down and you're like, oh, let's actually read a bit about, you know, wellness. I don't know about uh how I should actually wake up in the morning and not immediately, you know, drown myself in coffee and, and sit on the laptop on my couch. And, um, you know, it's, it's been, uh, for me really life-changing just waking up, um, and having a set routine with which I start the day, which for me is, uh, you know, I meditate a little and then, uh, some days I go to the gym, some days I, I invest in, you know, learning some things that I want to learn and not, you know, work-related stuff. And just then starting my day. And for me, it's made a huge, huge difference. So, you know, if anyone's listening and you haven't tried out a morning routine yet, and, you know, you wake up at different hours every day and, and immediately jump into work or kids or, you know, uh, you know, I don't have kids. Obviously, kids make things much more complicated. So I may be naive. For me, it's been, it's been a huge aspect of my life over the past two years, uh, waking up every day to the same thing and uh, investing time in myself. And I've found that, you know, in the morning, there's a lot less demand for your time. If in the evening, you know, you're expected to work later, uh, you know, you have a spouse or a partner who wants, uh, you know, to spend time together after you've both, both been at work, you have friends, you have, I don't know, uh, activities, dates, whatever. It, it all happens in the evening. And the early morning is a much more relaxed time of day where 
you can find some time to invest in yourself. So that would be my, uh, my two cents on the topic, my uneducated two cents. Well, actually, you know, I, I appreciate hearing that because the morning routines have been a struggle for more than a little while. Uh, so sometimes it goes well, sometimes not so much, but um, the more the more arguments I hear for it, the better. So uh, I, e- even, even something like that is, uh, is valuable to me. So, uh, and then the other side of it is to let the audience know how they can um, discover the service for themselves. So really simple. Uh, if you're selling on Shopify, you can find us on the Shopify app store. Just search profit and we'll pop up. Um, if you want to be very specific, you can search be profit. We'll still be there. You can Google us. Just uh, type be profit, B-E-P-R-O-F-I-T into Google and you know we'll be right there. We're going to be live on Wix very soon, You know, as soon as next week, as we said earlier. So Wix sellers, uh, if you're listening, you know, keep an eye out for us. Um, and anyone who's interested in seeing our platform, you know, we have a very cool landing page that explains a lot about the app. Even if you're not on Shopify or on Wix, uh, you can just uh, go to beprofit.co um, or again, be profit on Google and you'll find our landing page and uh, you can read up about us because our plan is to expand to as many platforms as possible. Uh, we want to be a one-stop shop for every e-commerce seller and not just for specific platforms. You know, that's our business plan and, and that's our vision. So, uh, you know, if, uh, if you've heard something that piqued your interest a little, uh, look us up and uh, we'll, we'd love to hear feedback. Awesome. And then um, to, to my audience as well, um, uh, Be Profit also gets my, for what it's worth, it gets my, my, my thumbs up. There's no reason for me not to use it uh, at this point. So I'm looking forward to uh, firing it up for myself. And so appreciate with, it. I appreciate it as well. So with that, it is an honor and a privilege to collect this information and use it for my own good and then give it to the rest of you. So with that, take care and we will check in soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoyed this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com. Or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.